What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Uh, welcome back. I think it's been a month, probably. I might start doing the shows once a month. I know, it's funny, I just watched the recent episode of Mark Maron's uh, show on IFC that uh, Joey Coco Diaz was on, and... I'm pretty sure it was that one. Anyway, I, he talks. He was talking to somebody about how you have to be uh, consistent and have things on a schedule for if you're doing a podcast and it should be put out at the same time all the time. And I I tried that. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to get. I make this fucking complaint every time like an asshole. I know that for listeners, it's probably better that if there's a regular day that the show comes out. But I think. I'm so fucking busy with work and painting and, like, trying to keep my shit together that uh, I seem to not give myself the opportunity to do these. Maybe I'm actually working on some scheduling changes right now. Um, I'm going to get some running back into my life. And maybe when I do that, I know that there's extra hours in the day that I don't use to the best of my ability. And... I think, I don't know, it's, I just turned 35 in June, so it feels like I'm about around the halfway mark of life, and uh, it's funny, you really do start to like be more concerned about your time as you begin to age. It seems silly. There's something about your 20s that makes you feel totally like there's it, it's, uh, time is infinity and you got as much as you need. And then the fucking 20s go away, and all of a sudden you got some fucking things to you know see out in your future uh you you gotta sort of get your shit together in some way even though we all i'm pretty i know that i feel like i'm still in my you know like i'm still like 17 18 in my head maybe 15 and i'm pretty sure everybody feels like their young self even as their body ages it's very strange um so yeah, there, that's that. Um, today we are talking with Mr. Luchin Shapiro. Um, I'm happy to speak with him. We just met recently. Uh, he makes some cool stuff. He's an interesting guy too, so um, it's going to be good to get to know him a little bit better. We were able to have some drinks in San Francisco recently, um, but again, it's never as personal as these types of conversations. So we're going to give him a call, of course. Make sure you go check out uh, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast and see all the people who have been on the show recently. Um, again, it's like once a month, but we've, there's been some really good shows, some guests I was really stoked to get on, uh, much like today. And you can uh, you can follow us at Live Free Podcast on Twitter. Um, there's a Live Free Podcast like page on the Facebooks. So you can go and like that, where I post stuff about all the people who have been on the show and things that they're doing, and there's images and. YouTube links and what not. You know, how fuck... Fu- like, I'm explaining how fucking Facebook works. Silly. Um, okay, so... Yeah, make sure you do that. If you want to, you can uh, donate to the show. Uh, if, if for some miraculous reason a bunch of donations came into the show, uh, of course I would be more uh, apt to record more episodes. Um, I would do this all the time. If it was, uh, like if I've made money from it, uh, I'm not saying that I need to make money from it. I think just, I, I get a lot of emails and texts and shit about not doing the show regularly. Um, but I'm doing my best. So I, I don't got to explain myself to anybody. Um, all right. I've been blabbing for too long. So yeah, go donate if you want to, um, and follow me at Mike Maxwell art on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitter. Uh, I got a little shop set up. You could sometimes buy affordable pieces of original art and some prints and shit sometimes. So click on the shop when you go to Mike Maxwell art.com. My show's coming down, uh, in San Francisco. <sighs> I'm not exactly sure the exact date, but I think it's, Today might be the last day. Shit. Well, uh, you can always go on nowheresvillesf.com and uh, and check out the gallery stuff and what they're up to. And I think there's some works that you could buy uh, right on there too. So go ahead and do that and uh, enjoy the show. So let's get into this thing now that I blabbed for long enough and give uh, Mr. Shapiro a call here.
Hello? Mr. Luchin Shapiro, what's up, my friend? Well, now you're glitched. Now I'm glitching? No, no, you're not. Yeah, Skype. Skype I, actually, I was trying to click the camera button on and off as it was ringing, and it, it wouldn't it wouldn't engage the button. So sometimes, you know, fucking Skype acts like a hooker. Fucking Skype. So what's up, my friend? It's uh, it's good to have you on the show. Finally, we um, we've talked a few times. Actually, in the intro, I mentioned that we just recently met in the real life, which is yes. I mean, I don't even. I guess maybe we had a couple like I think I just maybe asked you to be on the show. We hadn't we didn't really get it we've never had a chance to speak before we met. But I don't know. I think I feel like I invited you to be on the show before that, right? I think so. I yeah. don't really remember. Yeah, and you know what's funny? It's like uh do you ever get this like so I was trying to think of when I came across your work and I realized it's one of these things where um and tell me if this ever happens to you. We're like, let's say there's like a band that all your friends know about and are like stoked on, but you just yeah. haven't got on board yet. Like you didn't know. And as yeah. soon as you, you find something then you're like, oh, that friend likes that. That friend likes that. Everybody already knows this thing. How is it that I'm the last one to know about this? And I feel like that is sort of how I came across your work as in like the last few years, maybe like all of a sudden all the people who I'm friends with started mentioning you or like I started seeing your name around places and it becomes almost uh, meme-like. That doesn't yeah. sound like a that doesn't sound like a compliment, but it, it <laughs> has like that sort of movement where all of a sudden it's like, oh, everybody already knows about this kid. But it, do you ever find that with anything like uh, music or whatever, or even artists that like you didn't know about? Yeah, I guess. Also, though, I don't know. My work changed a lot in the last couple of years, so maybe that could be it too. Yeah, true. How, how so? Oh, I mean, I want to get into how you you work, but I mean, that's interesting that you you made some transition. Well, yeah, I mean, it was like I was making beasts before, <clears throat> and it slowly moved into the masks. And so, the, like uh, creatures, creature forms, and like full forms. Yeah, I was doing like handmade toys, and then and like these little hairy dogs with human faces that were called chair dogs. Huh. And they were like completely different, and then. You know, I took some time to reevaluate what I was trying to do, and then and the work shifted in that reevaluation. Yeah. Um, well, let's jump back before we get into all jump that. Back. Uh, you grew up in California, right? Yeah. Um, what parts? Sonoma County, which is like wine country. Yeah, like an hour north of San Francisco, which is where I am currently located. Right. Uh. Growing up part-time with my dad when I was younger in a yurt. In a yurt? Yeah. Which is? I guess it's like a permanent tent. <laughs> Would be a good way to put it. Is it like a teepee not, situation? Is it like not, a mud not, hut? No, it's like, it's, it's... It sounds like you would have yaks. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We didn't have yaks. We had emus. <laughs> Close. The bird. Ver I, I would say an emu yeah. is the bird version of a yak. Yeah, he he raised he raised emus for a bit. They're but, uh, mean fuckers too, right? But yeah, but like a year, it's it's like a wooden platform, kind of circular shaped, and it has a frame. Uh -huh. I mean, we had like a full kitchen, and sure. the only thing you don't have is an outhouse. They even I've like been looking into some of them recently, and you can get like two story. Yurts, you can build rooms inside them. Um, yeah, like that's interesting. I um, I just started. I I uh, I just watched a film uh called Tiny, which is about the tiny oh, house yeah. movement. Saw that. Is that is that sort of along the same lines? Like a yeah. uh, sort of like back this, to nature. I mean, this was like a temporary thing while he built a cabin that he was to live in on his property. Yeah, which I mean sounds pretty much like the same thing too. There's a yeah, it's just kind of like the in between. Yeah. yeah. No shit in an outhouse. Be one with nature. It's uh, we see the same thing now, but instead, in like modern technology, we'll see people with like a trailer that they'll buy while they're building their house on it, like yeah, a, a paved or you know a platform, <laughs> you know yeah, fancy trailer yeah, in a you know place where they're building ten thousand homes. I've been exactly. more and more 
interested in this idea of a rural type of living style. Yeah, where you want to go? I think Portland. No way. That's or you know the the Pacific Northwest somewhere that where it still rains. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> where it's not going to be just desert. Yeah, that's uh, probably a smart move. Or even like lower Sierra Nevadas, like somewhere in between there. Yeah, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but I I romanticize the idea quite a bit. Yeah, you should. So well, cheaper, I imagine. Well, I don't know. Is San Diego cheap? San Diego is pretty expensive. But in comparison to like it's no it's it's not as expensive as San Francisco. Well, nothing is. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And but I I mean the cost of living is fairly expensive and you know the problem is is that it, San Diego is such a bi- uh, like a big city. It's got those like LA type problems of where you know, even if something's affordable, you still got to spend a bunch of money in gas to commute. Like you can't walk to work. Yeah. You can't yeah. ride a bike. You know, you yeah. can, you can for you, exercise, but how do you feel about that gas lamp district? Oh, you just had Comic-Con too. How was that? Yeah. I actually avoided Comic-Con this year what? for the first time in a while. It's dude, it's too much, man. I I've been on this very sort of anti advertising, anti over consumerism, which is exactly mm-hmm. what Comic-Con is on like yeah. steroids. You know, yeah, of course, to. a lot of artists come through and like all that right. shit's good. And, but I've seen it. I've seen yeah. the crowd watching. I know the gig. Yeah. Have you true. ever gone? I used to sell like my to- like handmade toy stuff uh-huh. before the big uh, kid robot boom. You know what? I was just, <laughs> I had a buddy who I trained with. He came over and he was talking about how he was all stoked on Kid Robot. And yeah. my booth that I used to do at Comic Con was right next to Kid Robot. So all of the Kid Robot crew, they all hate yeah. me because <laughs> they don't know me personally, really. But every every year, they would have these lines that would just kill our booth. It would like make a, a human barrier, like they were like protesting our booth. But meanwhile, yeah. I was just fucking assholes getting in line to buy fucking vinyl toys. Yeah. And so I literally, I would get in people's faces. Like I, I would tell people, if you're going to stand in front of my booth, you have to buy something. And if you don't, uh, I'm going to physically remove you from the space. Yeah. Like it would be that, like Did- all close to violence did you ever have to do that no uh-uh. luckily i'm i'm aggressive and scary looking enough to yeah, yeah. um young comic-con teen teeny boppers <laughs> but needless to say the the crew and staff of the kid robot comic-con uh booth were not all that pleased with me right of course but you, you know you got to take care of yourself and that shit ain't any it ain't cheap to get those fucking booths either Right. So, did you have a separate type of living style between? I, I assume your parents were divorced. So, I'm I'm curious, what's that like for? I guess you were a young man. Uh, yeah, boy. I mean, super young. Like they must must have been around nine. Yeah. So, did you recognize a, a, a like a sort of difference in? It's so hard to recognize things as a child, but like a freedom in like being in like a sort of rural area. As opposed yeah, to like I mean, the, well, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I knew the difference. And obviously, I was young, so I wanted to be with all my friends. Yeah, you know, I was missing out because I was <laughs> up on some hill. <laughs> yeah, right. Is was your father? Is your father like a naturalist type? Uh, he always talks about that he was born in the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a, a commonality amongst some people. Yeah. Like, he would have been pretty happy, like, probably with a steer to, like, you know, make his land fertile and sow <laughs> the earth. Yeah. Instead it, of tractor. It, it almost feels like we have uh, an opportunity to move back towards those things. To, yeah, it's uh, probably the only thing that's going to save us is that. And that what what concerns me is that that knowledge is getting... Uh, sort of erased from mankind in terms yeah. of like human understanding. Of course, technology has provided us the opportunity to have everything in a particular, uh, you know, have something written down or a YouTube yeah. video that explains how to do that. 
But yeah. if we actually have some sort of type of Earth catastrophe that tends to knock out as far as we've got technologically, yeah, then who's and, and we actually have to rely on human ingenuity and things that we have maybe given up in replace of these modern technologies. I feel like there's few people, fewer and fewer people who actually yeah. have this knowledge still. Yeah, I guess I'm lucky. Yeah, did you do you feel like you got to learn some things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I never really thought about it like that. I'm always just worried about that I don't know how to use a computer as well as <laughs> which is as equally, uh, you know, something that you have to worry about. Yeah, I'm not like the best at Photoshop or anything. <laughs> so, were you apt to get into creative avenues at a young age? Yeah, I used to always draw, actually, um, which I don't. I do, but I don't really show anyone my drawings. Uh, yeah, because you're you're known a as a sculptor. I made up too. And what people know you for recently is all the sculpture work. Is it? Yeah. Well, I I got a degree in sculpture. It's I started out. Well, I always wanted to be an animator. Strangely enough. And I did like the whole 2D animation, and then I went to school for computer 3D modeling and animation. Uh-huh. After my first sculpture class, I literally switched majors. Does any of that stuff still because interest you now, though? It was just hands-on, and it was just so much more real. Does Does the animation stuff still linger with you a little bit, or are you totally? I don't think. Well, I, no. I mean, I guess. Recently, it's kind of transferring over into the videos with the. Yeah, which is I, something I want to talk to you about too. But let, let's, uh, I guess, for people who don't know, um, you, over the last few years, you've been making a series of masks um, yeah. made from a number of different types of materials, all yeah. very modern materials for what what seems it seems like a number of modern materials but yeah. uh if we were to describe your masks i think uh uh i use the word like tribal primitive there's a very like early man uh feeling i get from yeah from the masks that you make in terms of like uh you're not obviously you're not making like mickey mouse masks or like uh you're no, like halloween no. style something you know these, these although that's a good idea i know <laughs> you could probably actually you could probably make some really cool ones uh, no, um, just come out like some danger mouse weird bunch of kids be dancing <laughs> yeah right so how did you know we we spoke earlier about the your transition in that uh you you, you changed from making uh, almost like handmade toys to these masks what yeah. what sort of prompted that and maybe you could describe for some people who maybe haven't seen them yet uh sort of the processes yeah, that you go I through like, i think like the commonality of all of it is it's always hands-on like i really like to make i even i'm maybe i'm gonna start but i have i haven't until maybe a few months ago even made a mold every mask was actually hand made like hollow uh-huh. instead of which i could have get gotten it finished a lot quicker if I just made a mold just for a rough form to start. Yeah. But I was a, which like uh, like a dressmaker would do. Like they have the forms yeah. that they. Which is what I usually do, but for some reason I felt like everyone had to be handmade from scratch. Uh huh. Is that for the uniqueness of it? I think it was just for some weird thing i had in my head or you just wanted to work you just wanted to go and do something yeah it was just more of like process because that happens right i don't see it done ever everybody's always looking for shortcuts and everybody's always looking for the next quick way to mass produce something yeah um so i i don't know i've always been attached to like the art of craft and time yeah if, but at the at the same time, is that also like so? I've I've had that similar type of feeling before, and for yeah. me, I've found sometimes it's about like not overthinking things and not like even wanting to sit down and like pre-plan something, like to just jump in there and like get the work done and then kind of yeah. deal with the problems as they come along. Yeah, I mean that's usually my process. Like I don't even do drawings before. 
I've done a few. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask if you sketch anything beforehand or. No, it's just like kind of an idea, and I build off it. Or if it's going terribly wrong, I'll literally just break or cut it apart, and like redo parts of it. Or and that was use... some, that was something that I wanted to ask you about too. Like, so I know like aesthetically when a painting isn't really coming together properly, and. Yeah. And part of that has to do with, like, I know what something's supposed to look like at the end. But I'm curious right. if you're, you know, making these things that are not real objects in nature or, you know, a regular object that you see for the most yeah. part. You know, I think yeah. in terms of the mask, of course, masks have been around forever. But these yeah. shapes and forms, they have yeah. a uniqueness to them that sometimes I find if you're making something that has not existed before, yeah. it's hard to know if it looks right or if it looks wrong, unless it's yeah. like an aesthetic sort of value thing. Yeah, and that's why I'm a complete stress case. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't ever know if I'm close or not, because sometimes it'll sneak up on me. I'm like, oh, I think maybe it's done, or maybe I'll think it's finished, and I'll even put it in the show. And then four months later, I'll literally take it down or bring it back out and rework it or take parts off it and make two masks out of it. Or, yeah. And I imagine uh, there's some, like, architectural issues that you have to sort of figure out each time, too, in building these three-dimensional objects. Yeah, which is also something I'm learning. Every piece, there's, there's no way for me to ever have – there's not, like, a step guide. Sometimes I'll want to add something to the piece that doesn't really won't be supported. Like most of the masks are really heavy. Yeah. Really hard to wear, which is why I'm usually the one wearing them if I do any performance or video or anything. Uh-huh. Um because initially they weren't meant to be worn only they display, also, right? They started out just as like an idea of making masks out of recycled materials and found objects from our culture yeah which are like what is some of the stuff that you use in that in that area bottle caps which is pretty uh, prevalent you use a lot of bottle caps in the yeah construction it was process. mainly started bottle caps was for the shape because uh-huh. the circle i tend to believe everything that you like you put out there comes back full circle and it seems to have a structural value too yeah you know the earth is a circle well it could be flat I still haven't figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on which way space and time is stretched. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I use dime bags, which kind of more relate to the idea of addiction and repetitiveness. Because uh-huh. so pill pills and like pill capsules show up quite a. On there's occasion. one mask actually where they were pills from somebody I will leave unnamed um, and suspense. I ended up with all of their pills after they passed and I kind of and I used them in it uh-huh. in this one mask is just kind of an homage to them yeah is and it seems like I've, I've seen some like I don't know if it's comments on pharmaceuticals, like the maybe it's just the acknowledgement of that one piece. Got a motorcycle game. Sorry, there's a loud motorcycle. Yeah, motorcycle game. Now I, I was saying that I, I felt like I seen you like make some other comments about pharmaceuticals in some way, like in relation to the pieces. But maybe it's you know I I know that there's a lot of comments towards like illicit or illegal drug use. Uh, yeah, whether well, it's cannabis or cocaine i wrote down sex and drugs on my Uh little note sheet okay those are good two good things um (laughs) yeah actually i just finished a mask that had condoms yeah see that i blew had to like blow them up and stretch them out because i was braiding them together Uh uh-huh how that how did that make you feel weird yeah, <laughs> I definitely felt super weird because I, j- I only used condoms that I got from, well, everyone, it's called Planned Parenthood, but I call it Planet Parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got, 
I think I had 60 condoms maybe total. Okay. And they were lubricated. Oh, man, you got to get the non-lube. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, they were just my collection over just the years of making sure I'm disease-free. Yeah, I get you. And, uh... I mean, go with so lube got, for the sex. Go with the lubed condoms for sure. Yeah, but I got it on my mouth. It's fucking gross. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes... It tastes it doesn't taste good. Yeah, I can't imagine it does. <laughs> but I, you know... I'm We'll do almost anything for our... I can't imagine that um, non-lubricated condoms taste all that great either. Probably not. Probably less greasy. <laughs> less spermicidal? Yeah. Your um, mouth totally didn't get pregnant that day. No, never. Well, I don't think. I hope. <laughs> yeah. If, I, if I'd have it my way. Um, but yeah, and then I made a mask for the show at Guerrero Gallery. Um that was all cannabis it was a quarter pound and there were seven joints and two blunts and then there was a key that I made and each thread color countered up to the baggie uh -huh. to differentiate which strain was which oh, strain nice. so he was technically the village or the town or the city uh, dealer Right. I was trying to make it an obvious uh he was the businessman. Which at a time when, you know, cannabis was making uh like obviously uh it's been decriminalized in California and you know or decriminalized in Colorado and yeah. in California uh for medicinal. I think we're gonna see it seems like the the uh government is making moves to decriminalize everywhere. It shouldn't be that that much longer before cannabis is legalized. Probably won't be. Yeah. Um, so, do you constantly look? So, you're looking at these objects. Do you, you know, like all these baggies? Do you are you looking at like objects that don't that by themselves are out of context? But like now, you look at things to like that form masks. Yeah, I mean, I'm like a collector, and I have just not found the right space. The, I would like a permanent studio somewhere so yeah. I could just build, keep collecting, keep collecting because people are always saving stuff for me. Uh -huh. Is it getting close to, or do you feel like you're a hoarder? Is mm. there a difference between a collector and a hoarder? Is it just I mean, organization skills? I mean... And I'm not judging, just so you know. No, you don't. Yeah. I collect stuff too. It's, you know, it's, a hard, it's another hard line because... I give my dad a hard time. Uh -huh. Bring this up again. Probably shouldn't even talk about it because he doesn't agree with me. He has a storage unit, uh -huh. and in the storage unit, he has some things that I would say maybe aren't worth keeping. Right. But he says, and he constantly says, maybe you're going to want some stuff from <laughs> to use. And I always, um, no, I would never. I don't want this stuff. I would never use it. And ironically enough, there comes times when I'm like can I get the keys I want to go use it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean he has a box full of axe handles like who's going to use those probably me at some point yeah but, for sure but you know he he used to have the property so he used to have a lot of storage Yeah. and when he moved <clears throat> he got a little storage unit because he didn't want to get rid of this stuff for me i feel like all that stuff is at my studio so it doesn't make me feel like a hoarder yeah <laughs> it makes yeah. me feel like they're art supplies <laughs> well i think yeah I, there's something it, i think that you're not a hoarder if you can keep it away from your living space because yeah. if it if it takes over your living space then yeah. i think you're a hoarder yeah it might have to be with where you sleep depends on whether you're a collector or yeah well, my my fiance is also a collector and she oh yeah this may have happened since we talked she was just my girlfriend when we talked yeah that's uh last i heard yeah yeah it i went up a step yeah congratulations a lot of steps yeah that's probably yeah, that's pretty big yeah congratulations uh, Thanks. I just saw you posted something. Uh, she does uh, clothing design as well. Yeah, well, yeah. She I does saw you, lots, po you posted she lots of stuff. She just did, I guess, what is it, five or six pieces for the fall line for Obey. That's rad. 
She's killing it. She uh, she's taking a break. She was making tattoos for the last four or five years. Uh-huh. She's taking a break to pursue some fine arts. Fun. I always like when people take that dive. Yeah. So she's she'll be here Friday for five months, six oh, months. Exciting. Yeah. Um. So you start to build these masks. Did you do you feel like you've kind of hit your stride as to what you want to do or are they are they still teaching you new things yeah i mean i'm just getting crazy weirder and weirder with them more mm-hmm. abstract um more kind of content i'm kind of trying to bring contemporary movement into them more you know what i what i what struck me recently you there's huh. there seems to be a sort of um natural history element to the thing that the things that you're doing yeah and i don't know if that's you know, you intend to do that. There's like I, I said, the primitive, there's some sort of early man sort of aspect yeah. about the work. Yeah. Um, there's also like a nod towards uh, ceremonial ritual. Yeah. In some ways, I, in, you know, in my own perception, um, right. I know like in a lot of like tribal communities, uh, yes. masks are made to sort of, invoke certain spirits or you know to be a part of the show of uh whatever their ceremonial process is for you know whatever their rituals are based around yeah um we see it particularly uh the pacific northwest which we spoke about a little bit for a second um the natives of the pacific northwest tremendous uh mask builders like just fucking like yeah just fucking completely genius there's this one i watched uh, um some type of play that they would oh. they were doing for somebody important and there's this mask it was um it probably was about the size of a man's the width of a man's shoulders you mm-hmm. know and like twice as high as his head and, yes and the front of the face opened up and you know it's like the the typical uh uh what's the totem pole type imagery uh-huh. Um, the mask opened up to show another mask on the inside of the mouth. That yeah. the next inside mask opened the opposite way. You know, the one opened mm-hmm. uh, vertically, then the other one opened yeah. horizontally, and then yeah. like another mask popped out at the end. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's some some connections to the things that you're making. Uh, more so, almost like African. I want to say like really early man. Yeah. Um, but yeah. do do you find that you get inspiration from these things? Do you have any connection I mean, to them? On I mean, in, t- in the beginning, there wasn't, there was no intention on it. Sure, yeah. we've all been to the museums, and maybe I collect images that I have around my studio. Um, we all create and are inspired from whatever we surround. Yeah, sure, and whatever stuff. gives us some sort of sense of sense of feeling too. Yeah. And I don't know that I int- intentionally ever did it, but a lot of people, some people have said they're certain tribes from, I don't remember, was it Zambia maybe, or I'm not sure where they said, but some people have actually said that I am making masks of this certain oh, tribe. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had never heard of the tribes. Yeah, so sure. I, I feel like we get inspired from whatever we see and subconsciously maybe we're creating things that we've seen or our own interpretation of things. But I mean, we're everybody, nobody's original anymore. I mean, you no, And I, and I don't mean it in that way. Like as if you've yeah, seen yeah, something, yeah. but like, no, I didn't say that you did. I like, guess, uh, there's no full intention of it to be a certain tribe. I, I think the last show was based on, at Guerrero, was based on rituals. So every mask had a vessel. Mm-hmm. And then together they would make a ritual that would create something that I was trying to see, do, or that I wanted or needed in my life. Uh-huh. And so... So you were like creating your own black magic on some level? Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to summon a partner, summon, release fear... Uh-huh. get over heartbreak but originally the mask started because of honest I was sick of people being dishonest I had a hard time trusting people and it was just a good way for me to 
create these things that were easy for me to hide myself uh-huh. or anybody because yeah. all these people just wear masks anyway all day long. They're yeah. just fake as fuck. And so this is my take on that, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that, like, we... It's so strange. I don't, and I don't know what it is. Like the, I don't know if it's the fear of honesty, if it's like the fear of judgment. It, we see each other, like the way that we don't interact with people that we don't know. That's who we yeah. put the biggest masks up against, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then even then, like the comfort of hiding behind your own, even the idea of wearing sunglasses indoors, like is yeah. always comforting to me. Yeah. Because of that little bit of separation that you keep from one another. What about a hood, too? Oh, yeah, that's hood, the best. Hood and sunglasses? Yeah, you can't see what type of hair I got. Yeah. And there's, you know, that, that thing about being anonymous, too. Right. Where sometimes I, I find that in groups of people, um, you know what I notice? If I'm at, like, the movies or at a concert or I'm in a place where everyone is standing, like, really tight, close together... I get a really uncomfortable feeling of people looking at me from the back. Yeah. Because I can't see them seeing me. And there's something with wearing masks that's interesting with that idea is like you could all be, you know, I think of like uh, like eyes wide shut, like the ceremonial thing in eyes yeah. wide shut. Yeah, yeah. When, you know, like everyone's performing these acts that they don't really want each other to know that each other are performing in even yeah. though they're all doing the same thing yeah um there's sort of like a protection mechanism then with that I, I yeah i mean see. i'm sure and we're always trying to protect ourselves from something usually yeah even if there's nothing that needs protecting from no, I, <laughs> I don't even think usually there is but we're so nervous yeah and do you find I, I feel the same thing and it's it's so weird sometimes you I get the sense that I could physically feel that nervousness in groups of people too yeah it's I'm actually getting better at it in the last few years yeah just being okay with being out and around people uh-huh. but I used to be terrible I used to be a way bigger hermit than I am now yeah and yeah you can see it it's written on it everyone's face that's uncomfortable you know for me i've always found that i'm more uncomfortable that people are 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 also like that i recognize uncomfortableness not so much like i actually i have a tendency to enjoy feeling uncomfortable which sounds odd but like so for instance i will speak up against something that maybe the rest of a group of people won't do because they know that that feeling that they're going to have by doing that is going to be uncomfortable or I'll challenge somebody's opinion about something where most people are just like, even if they don't, even if they totally disagree with somebody's opinion, they'll just be like, okay. And like, let it go just to not have that feeling of uncomfortableness. But I've always found, uh, almost like it's almost like a bit of an addiction. It's like a thrill ride a little bit. Like it's more about having a hyper sense of emotion in Uh a particular way and be like enjoying that, but not for too long, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a good point. I I mean, I am, I'm anyone will tell you I'm awkward as I'm a very, very awkward person. I, I don't say the right things ever. <laughs> I'm sure this whole interview I've said a million things I didn't even mean to say. No, I don't think so. I don't think you've been awkward at all. I that's oh, right? I think it's all on the inside. In the bre- inside my head. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> but again, there's also that commonality amongst creative types that I think find themselves in their own head a lot that there's uh i don't even think it's insecurity but it's just like a a feeling of being a little different than everybody else sometimes that is is common amongst people who are creative for some reason right i i don't know what the connection is but i mean yeah i guess we just feel a special bond because we're trying to do something that is probably one of the hardest things to be successful at and 
I was just ta- I was just having a conversation yesterday with a guy talking about like, oh, what do you have coming up next? Like, what are you doing? What is your plan? What is this? What is this? And I think I, I kind of tricked him, you know, like I, I was talking about how, like, I think I might just make the decision to just be poor. Yeah. You know, like well. that, you know, we all we're all striving to be like the best in our field, to get the most recognition, to be like the most collected or the highest prices on some level. And I was thinking about like, what is it like defeatist to be content with somewhere in the middle? Is it smart? Is it is it is it going to cause stress? Is it not a good yeah. idea? I don't know. I'm trying to just be okay with where I am. Yeah, you just got to focus on the things that are you're making and yeah. not be concerned about all that other stuff. Yeah. But then at the same time, there's this idea that we are meant to be a particular type of business person. Uh-huh. In that, like people people love to say, "Well, you're your own brand," you know, like that's a pretty common thing <laughs> that I hear. And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe it's not that. Maybe no, maybe <laughs> it's I'm making things and people want me to keep making things, so they're just donating money to the cause. You know, hey, like I have to say I just saw your show. Yeah. Cuz I couldn't go at Nowheresville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that abstract stuff. Yeah, that's uh, I'm only doing what feels good right now. That's like it. Those like the blue. Uh huh. I posted one on the Instagrams. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, and the circle one, and me and Paul were talking about them. Yeah. We right. both were really into those. Yeah. They're just it's... like simple, all feeling. Duh. Yeah. So the, each one took like seven minutes, but thirty years of knowledge and work before yeah. <laughs> to reach yeah. to reach that simple point. I always forget to think about that. That the stuff that's fast took. 35 years to actually yeah that's uh you know, that's something that picasso said i think uh yeah he's a smart man something about somebody he drew something on a napkin like a bar napkin and the person that was with him did uh, they have napkins back then yeah bar napkins okay yeah like bar papers maybe they had coasters regardless know. some small yeah. scrap of paper he <laughs> he drew a picture on and told him it was like 10 grand or something yeah. And he was like, but I just saw you. It only took you a few minutes to uh, to make that. But it took me fucking 50 years of yeah. being alive to be able to come up with right. this thing. Yes. So in all fairness, it's like I, I always use the hashtag never not working. Mm-hmm. And it's there. Yeah. there's some truth to that. And that's something that's very different than a regular nine to five job or, you know, even owning your own business, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Sometimes you, you're like, you take vacations. I, <laughs> there seems to be no art vacations. Right. Yeah. But maybe that there might, should be. Your, ha- your hashtag might be a new mantra I might have to use. Yeah, it's great. Never not. Never not working. Never not working. I think, did you just do the, uh, you were you just took part in the uh, Guerrero show? What's he, he's doing shows in houses? Oh, yeah. Can um, you can we talk about that a little bit? I've been super excited to see what he's doing. Yeah, I was I w- I had a show. The first one I didn't go to the opening because I had a sh- show at New Image. Uh-huh. Um, but this one I was in with a bunch of people. I don't want to say yeah, a bunch of people who have been on the show who've been on the podcast before. Yeah, um, but he's doing three shows from what I can understand. At his house, um, you know, because he's fuck, he's an amazing curator. Yeah, and like the guy can put a good show together. And not only, I think this concept, this concept is kind of interesting in that people go to a place that's nothing like their home in order to purchase art that they're going to likely put into their home. Yeah. So if you see art in a different context, maybe that gives the the buyer or a viewer who maybe didn't see something in that context before an opportunity to see things in a different way to see uh what art can do in your living environment as opposed to like maybe you just go out once a month and see art yeah and that's kind of that's how he has it set up you know there's pieces in the kitchen pieces in the hallway pieces in bedrooms in the living room in the stairway coming up and it all looks really good. Yeah. And you could think about those pieces being in your place too. Yeah, um, I think it's cool. Even concept. managed to fit my sculpture and you know, sculpture is the hardest thing to put anywhere still. Yeah. 
And that also shows that, you know, maybe this work that you didn't think would fit in your environment actually does. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. I've been talking about this idea of leasing art recently. And I I did a Facebook post about asking if if people lease art. But I just thought, like, it it would be a cool project or, like, a cool idea to have, like, let's say... Uh, a certain number of artists part of like a community or a collective of some sort and you have an available bundle of work that could possibly go to multiple places you know let's say within the United States within a certain area people who maybe couldn't afford art uh, could have an opportunity to like I said live with it for a certain period of time you know have something on their own wall and then move it along I don't know the it seems like there could probably be some problems with shit getting fucked up, but well, I know businesses do that. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people like like who like realtors and that sort of shit. But that tends to be yeah. just to like make a house look presentable for somebody to buy. I like. Well, the, I was thinking of this idea of like, could art be like a temporary thing that you're not that people aren't necessarily buying as a uh, commodity that they think yeah. is going to be more valuable in 10 years that they'll resell yeah. or go to fucking auction house or some shit. Well, I know that there's some like ground floor, like office buildings that actually do that. Yeah. That it's not, a, it's not a show. It's actual rental. Right. It seems like it could possibly be a decent way for some people to make some money, but I don't know. I don't know. I definitely don't want to be in charge of it. Yeah. I've been thinking about new ways of like, getting art out into the public in a different way. Yeah. Like besides, cause things are seem to be moving away from a very, the traditional methods, even though I think they'll always be with us. But is that, you know, you had mentioned talking about you, we were saying that maybe like your installs are starting to feel different. Like you have a sort of different kind of concept as the way you're starting to display stuff. Uh, is that right? Yes. Did I say that? It's it's something true. along those lines. Well, the new piece that I'm, had for the Guerrero um, gallery show house show uh-huh. was a uh, a piece where it's facing a mirror so you see the piece from behind uh-huh. the only actual way to see the entire piece is to get in it is to oh. actually put your eyes through it so yeah. you, you see yourself wearing the mask so is that sort of you want to start becoming more interactive with the audience I mean, it just gives a different perspective for people. It lets people be involved instead of just, wow, that's a nice mask. And then, you know, they've always been based on like a ritual or a story or something, but I would prefer them to make up, but people always tend to need some help that, you know, but what is it, you know, what does it mean to you? Why did you do this? Yeah. This is a way for them to make up their own story by just looking through it or at least being part of it yeah i like that idea and you know we 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 spoke a bit about the video work that you've been doing and so maybe we could talk about that a little bit because that's sort of i guess is putting your story into it on some level so you've been making uh uh, like short plays on some yeah i wish i could make a play i don't I'm not there yet. Or like short films? Is that what, is that what you yeah, would describe yeah, as? They're, yeah, they're never much more than two minutes, three minutes. There's an extended version for the big... So the way it started was I did a show at Castle Gallery, it was called. Uh-huh. It was Gorn, Gorn Brothers, the hat company. They had a gallery space for a while. And so I made all these masks, and one of my friends said, can you wear them? And I said, no. And he said, well, we should make a video. You should make them wearable. I said, oh, that's, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't, it didn't even like cross my mind yeah. that I, that I should act, make them wearable. It wasn't <laughs> even like, you know, it was the first, first actual like masks that were meant to be worn. Yeah. But I didn't make them so you could. So I took them all off their mounts and made them wearable and made a big video which didn't really have a full theme except that it was about like everyone wears a mask and covering themselves and protection because I made weapons that were the masks. Right. And then for the vessel show, I decided that each mask had the vessel and that would involve a ritual, which I could document with a video. 
So we only shot the mating ritual, which was obviously a mating ritual. Right. And those two, two masks, one has a penis, the male mask, mm-hmm. go figure, has a penis. <laughs> and the woman mask has a vagina. And actually, at a certain angle, they slip in to each other. hey And so that was the mating ritual, was uh-huh. a little dance. And then I finished the light collector ritual, which is about walking. Everyone seems to think I'm very dark and that my work is very dark. Yeah. But I don't really think that. But anyway, uh, so this one's about walking through the darkness, being surrounded in light because I'm trying to make a conscious effort to not be an evil, demented fuck and trying to be happy and yeah. content with everything that I've done in my life. All right. right. And healthy. So the, yeah, healthy, good, yeah. strong. Yeah. Uh, so that actually is going to get released with, I'm doing an individual Polaroid print release with one by run, one time run. Uh-huh. <clears throat> And so I'll release the video with that. And then we're just about to shoot the fear ritual. So I'm trying to catch up. It's really hard to shoot. Are you are you coming up with all these rituals on your own? Are you grabbing things from other types? So like I'm, yeah. I, I'm really interested in uh, Masonic history and sort okay. of the ritualistic stuff that happens there, yeah. like Bohemian yeah. Grove, all the, yes. the sort of, uh, you know, any type of secret society type of ritualistic yeah. behaviors I've, or even, I've, even, uh, you know, like colleges and that sort of thing. They all have a, a very ritualistic and it all seems to stem back from early Masonic behaviors. Do you know anything about the Bohemian Grove? Uh, just as much as what's available on the internet and to read. But you're talking about up North. Yeah. 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 Town. I've actually did a, yeah. I did the painting of their logo before for a show that oh. I did at uh shepherd yeah. space a long time ago. You know, I grew up up there. I heard some things. I don't want to talk about it, what I heard, but it seems like an interesting club. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, the guys from the grateful dead were members like Bob yeah. Weir is a member. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. Place for men to be men together. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um and I think that those things tend to be it always there's always ritual where there is secrets to be kept. Yeah. Um and it tends to be the like the blackmail of secrets. Yeah. Like, or something that bonds people together. Like oh. I remember my cu- my cousin who I am blood related to that we've known each other since we were babies. Obviously, yeah. he he joined a fraternity in college and he had like a secret handshake and shit. And you know, like each one has their, whatever they say or whatever. And I was like, Hey, tell me the, tell me the handshake. And he was so like ingrained into that culture and that behavior type that he was unwilling to let his own blood relative know his secret. You know what I mean? Well, that's, Hey, a man you can trust. Yeah, apparently. And so if you if you need to be able to test somebody's uh, trustful uh trustability in that yeah. nature, it yeah. seems like you might be dealing in some shady shit right from the get-go to begin with anyway. Like yeah. if you if you need to have that type of uh, you know, friendship to have right a trustworthy friend. Yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> um Did you have you seen I just watched the uh like a mockumentary came out just uh it's called uh the conspiracy or some type of shit it's on netflix like the and it's about they did a uh like uh like they snuck on to a bohemian grove type of fraternity yeah. place which yeah. like alex jones did that shit like in the 80s i think i have to look it up yeah super <laughs> creepy shit but i'm super i, I like the idea yeah. and you know even like so i grew up catholic as a uh, you know, having to go to church every Sunday and that shit. And that ritualistic behavior in the Catholic church is super fucking interesting too. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I'm a Jew. Yeah. I, I, so I got that Shapiro. But again, another set of strange rituals as well. No, maybe not in that sense, but yeah, I mean, sure. So many rituals which could maybe have something to do with 
what I'm making now at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the rituals. Do you the make them more I, personal? I made them was just because I I wanted change. I was trying to find find something, and I figure since whenever we're working in the studio or working on our art, we're always whether we know it or not, we're going through a process and getting over whatever we're trying to like get through. Yeah. And it comes out in the work. And, and I didn't really realize, I usually don't realize till the piece is done what it's actually about. Yeah. And I... so I didn't know the rituals, the mask was related to the actual ritual that they were about until they were very close to finished. Mm-hmm. And then I, was like, oh wow, that's what this one's about. This Which is again is another commonality. Like sometimes yeah. it's the work that's telling you what the work is about, not so much like creating work about something that's about something. Right. So yeah. So that was never the intent. The, the intention wasn't to have a mating ritual. I had a fear because you know it's called fear is the mind killer. Because mm-hmm. which is true, we all have a fear, and that's usually what holds us back in whatever we're trying to do. So that was one that I'm trying to release a lot of the fear that I hold on to that I feel like it's holding me back. Yeah. There was one I had like. And now, I'm hmm. curious. And when you do these things, do you are you uh, like believing in a, a particular type of power? Is it more metaphorical for you as like a sort of like a gesture to like move forward as a person? Or do you feel like there is an actual like power in in doing ritualistic type behaviors? God, it sounds so dark to say ritualistic type behaviors. (laughs) I feel like there there is probably a power in the ritualistic behavior, but I feel like just sitting with a piece for however long it takes you to complete is almost enough to where the ritual maybe doesn't even need to happen. Right, right. It's already... Like played out in your head to a certain extent? Yeah. And like, although I have to admit, I did do, one of the videos I did was for a print release where Uh my blood was mixed with the ink uh-huh. for two screen prints and we had like it was invite only if you got a print and it was the top of Bernal on the full moon uh-huh. and it was the hunter's moon ritual which is when you are grateful for the harvest and you welcome the hunt for winter <clears throat> which is what you look for for nourishment so I had somebody draw blood from both of my hands and each vial was mixed in with the different inks later for the prints. And we did it under the moon and I had this like this jug that I drank from and it was, I had live uh, funeral procession music from Bali, like five players playing. Yeah. And afterwards, I was fucked up for like seven days. I had crazy nightmares every night. Uh-huh. And it was maybe it was six, five or six days. But each nightmare involved different groups of people that were there. Yeah, that's weird. And it was super, they were super detailed to where I don't usually remember dreams but when i woke up i remembered them very well and it was it it really freaked me out now do you feel like this was your brain telling you that this was a negative behavior or a positive thing or or neither i think it was just saying there's there's some kind of powers probably out there you better be aware of what you're doing that's what i wanted to ask you if you've done any of these things in like a large group like yeah. these ritualists. There was, there was like 30 people. Yeah. And, and there's something different than that than, say, like the one that you did with the mating ritual that was just two people and like a yeah, cameraman or something? Two people, and then there were six or seven of us. But really, then, only two people participating in the actual ritual yeah. itself. Do you feel yeah. like there's somehow more power in the like multiple people 
participating like with the yeah. band like you said like it seems yeah, like yeah. if you had a big group of people with all wearing masks and like did something that had which, a sort of which we also had people greeting the guests that were wearing masks uh-huh. as well it was kind of a whole and you got a candle if you showed up yeah, and yeah all yeah. the candles were lit but it was so windy they kept blowing out i so. like this idea I, so i just watched a thing about um improv everywhere have you yeah. ever heard about them no you see the video that's like they have a famous one that's it's people it's almost like a, it's a uh what's that when people show up in a crowd and start dancing all crazy what is it oh, flash mob uh, type of situation yeah. but so he had this one guy organizes these people and he had them all show up at a uh grand central station and they yeah. all froze for five yeah. minutes so like yeah. half of grand central station is all froze but he also does these projects called the mp3 projects where mm-hmm. everybody is uh told to meet at a particular place at a particular time and all press play on their uh mp3s that they have previously downloaded all at the same time yeah and it turns into this big project of people just mostly having fun like the oh. i think the goal is to make people laugh and like giggle and smile for a particular amount of time right and the idea around it is really cool, like this idea of bringing groups of people together kind of to all think about the same thing and have some type of experience. Yeah. And I could see that like those things that you're doing could sort of fit into something similar, maybe not in so much the smiley, everybody giggle way, but right. on maybe, you know, for people, some sort of spiritual connection with other people, some sort of like... uh oneness that that creates in everybody kind of doing a similar routine something that's you know like uh like ritualistic in this case yeah um and and somehow it creates bond and community and uh like an interesting environment i think yeah i I feel like if i did one of mine in a random environment it might scare people it could but maybe that's good though yeah i guess it is i'm always thinking about how it might affect people who cares huh? yeah i mean but i think i think that's what i found great about the the mp3 project was that the intention is to get people to have some type of joyful time yeah i think there's room for that in for creative people who are doing things like projects like the idea that you're starting to implement a uh sort of interactivity amongst the art I, I like yeah. i think that i think it's important in this day and age almost to sort of adapt in that way maybe yeah make it a little more interactive i'm gonna do some bigger ones with that idea behind it for a show in la in december if um, you ever do any rituals that you need somebody for with a beard i'm in all right yeah i have to i have to i need a break yeah i'm sure you've been working a lot right yeah i'm sleepy i mean i'm not i'm i'm neurotic i actually took this week was my first week i won't let myself work work and how i usually do how terrible is that well (laughs) people think i think i have too much energy i i'm fidgety i don't know what to do i even went for like a long bike ride today but i'm still it's boredom man i'm telling you boredom is a motherfucker i can't be bored it's fucked yeah that's a i think 99.9 percent of everything that i do is to avoid the feeling of boredom yeah just about yeah it's true it's a terrible thing but at least Uh, creativity comes out of that shit is yeah that's what i'm doing i'm just trying to like let it build up yeah so um what uh do you have things coming up that you want to plug or can we get people to check out your website or your Uh, social medias my social medias are my name should i spell it uh if you want to yeah no they can can lucian shapiro it's pretty much how it sounds yeah google were you were you you have like a um a good Um, villain name i have a good what name like a villain name like if i was writing a story and there was a villain Cool. Thanks. I mean, it's not. I, I don't mean it as an insult. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Um, I do. What it's do unique. I it is unique. Thanks. It's like somebody might stab you that. in the kidney. Thanks to Roger and Susan for that one. Um, Shout out Roger and Susan. Uh, what do I have? Uh, Carl E. Smith, contemporary in L.A. Sess contemporary. In That's December. what you're getting ready for. Um, 
and I'm doing that print release with one time run and a couple other group things um, and I believe I'm starting a residency that I don't want to jinx so I don't want to say what it is in yeah but you might get involved in that shit yes that so sounds maybe fun. for three months nice alright brother um, I want to thank you again pleasure um, hopefully I will get to see you again here soon let me know if you get down this way if you do something in LA again if you need somebody to uh, get fresh I and wear a mask and not sure what LA but definitely have projects coming up so I'll let you know alright brother let's do internet dap oh yeah Bam. Here, I never did that thanks Boom, you're in alright alright brother great talking to have, you you too have a good night alright bye Yeah.